0: Podcraft. Welcome back to the Craft Beverage Institute of the Southeast. Once again, I'm Puff, and with me today is Chris Harshman from A B Tech. He has a bunch of titles, but one of his favorite titles is Whiskey enthusiast now I say enthusiast and fiend might be a little bit too might be a little more accurate but I think enthusiast is a little bit uh, more PC we'll say that certainly sounds like it it doesn't sound like you have a problem if I say enthusiast right (laughs) right (laughs) like a fiend or somebody like that has to go to meetings so I just yes want to keep it on the level keep it on the up and up and so when did you start getting into into whiskey how did it uh, when did you discover it when did your passion for it come and uh it, there's a lot of questions I've got to ask for you cuz I know there's a lot of people out there going, "Well, I had a bad experience once with whiskey or I don't really like the taste or you know and you've introduced a lot of people even at AB Tech to uh to whiskey. Um Steven for one, yeah. uh, you guys go back and forth quite a bit. So I'd be curious to see your story and your love affair with whiskey <laughs> and where that where that developed and where it came from. Absolutely.
1: So it probably started about three years. I'm pretty recent, three or four years ago. Oh, a noob. Yeah, totally. And um, I kind of went two feet in. I uh, stopped by an ABC store. I had heard about, you know, bourbon, hadn't really tried one before, Sure. decided um, at a particular Halloween event, tonight's the night. So I happened to walk in and the person said um, at a North Carolina ABC store, oh my gosh, we we only have one more bottle of Buffalo Trace, you should try this. So I walked home with Buffalo Trace, knowing really nothing about anything. Wow. And um, I really kind of fell in love with um, the vanilla, the caramel, the, all the, the, you know, the rich palette of, of bourbon, the taste profile.
0: It, well, first of all, you started out with a great bottle. Yeah, now, absolutely. It, they, they don't sponsor the program. If they want to sponsor the program, please do. But <laughs> Buffalo Trace is a great bourbon to start with it's so delicious it is it, i like to call it like a reference bourbon it's I, like would, I would agree
1: exactly what a bourbon should taste like like the the baseline
0: yeah it's got all the stuff that you want mm. and a little bit more absolutely <laughs> i wish it came in a bigger bottle <laughs> now again enthusiast no problems here right uh, no meetings I, no what one of my you know one of my kind of go-to you know you certainly we've experimented with bourbons and, and you buy things uh uh, all over the country. And you, you, you know, you're looking for some of these, uh, delicious flavors that, uh, some of these bourbons cook out, but you know, you always have kind of your go-to standards. and standards. And to tip my hand, one of those for me is certainly Buffalo Trace. And I, I really enjoy that one. Uh, not, not on a nightly basis, you know, but when I, when I'm looking to treat myself, a teacher's salary here, we got to keep that in mind <laughs> when I'm looking for a nice treat. And I've, I've worked hard during the week, uh, two fingers of Buffalo Trace always puts a smile on my face. And, uh, that's a, you know if they want to use that tagline, uh, you will have to owe me royalties <laughs> on that at some point. But uh, I hope people out there listening understand that uh, you know when you first started drinking whiskey, and like you, three years into it, um, you know you when you first taste some of these things that are very very strong in flavor, uh, you twenty one or someone buys you a shot on your birthday mm-hmm. when you're you know you're experiencing these things, your taste buds at that age are so. Overdriven and so uh, acute. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at by the time you reach the age of thirty, your taste buds have been muted a little bit. Uh, you have beat them up, so to speak. Uh, they're you, you've uh, you've punished them with spicy foods and all sorts. Of, so they're not as uh, strong in perception. Now some people's are. Some people are super tasters. Some people are very very uh, delicate in in to smells and flavors. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the majority of people, things taste different as we age. And so mm. you don't see a lot of 18-year-old scotch drinkers uh, because scotch has a big, huge smell and flavor for the most part. Uh, and, and whiskey's kind of the same way. It seems that you know as we progress in age, our, our palate changes and we, and we understand some of the flavors that are coming out of these bottles. And so for you, diving head first three years ago into this, this whole bourbon scene is fascinating to me because it's always kind of the progression like beer it starts out with oh i stole budweiser out of my parents fridge right uh whiskey for some people oh, i drank you know jim beam white label out of somebody's you know liquor cabinet when we stole it right. you know and so you went, <laughs> you went right to buffalo. yeah no i don't need any of that stuff <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that stuff but like uh buffalo trace and and no wonder why your love of bourbon came quickly and developed quickly because you really started off with a, a great product. And and it's interesting, you
1: know, to talk about like the, the progression of your palate. Um, I started and, and I, you know, I'll just preface this by saying there's no wrong way to drink bourbon. Like no. if you like putting water in it, if you like Do putting it. ice in it, yep. rocks in it, you know, it's your preference and it's, no one's going to tell you that's
0: wrong. That's true. And the people that are telling you that you're wrong, don't listen to them. Yeah. Enjoy things the way that you enjoy them as long as it's in moderation
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so i started you know i i poured it out of a bottle i thought wow this is way too hot i can't handle this so i put ice in it and that was perfect i got a um a ball an ice ball maker and for a long time i was pouring bourbon over a nice you
0: know it it would crack as i poured it over and it was part of this whole sensory experience oh and it's cool yeah no and it's it, it partly you know making the the, the work that goes into making the ice ball, I say work, but you, I mean, you have to fill it up. You have to let it uh, freeze. And then you, you're like preparing for the process and the excitement of having that bourbon because you've had to already prepare. It's like the glasses that you brought today. Absolutely. You bought an official nosing glass. You're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a hundred percent into this. You know, you, it's, 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 it's amazing to see this. It's exciting for me to see uh, other enthusiasts come in and be so passionate about it. But like, that that making of that ice ball that was a preparation the day before that you knew that you were going to get to it there's an anticipation there as well over that like i know i have ice in the fridge i know i can enjoy a glass of whiskey tonight Mm -hmm. and now uh the term um i hate to say it but proof whore has (laughs) has been used to describe you and for those people that do not know what that is they're there are uh, people in the uh, whiskey enthusiast industry looking for things that are of higher proof, uh, unadulterated with filtration or something mm-hmm. along those lines. That, that term has been thrown out on you <laughs> by some other people in this in and the enthusiast industry. I'll totally own it.
1: <laughs> you know, there was a point I was enjoying things on, on ice. Yeah,
0: so this, this and evolution,
1: then I, yeah. I started noticing that it, it was kind of watered down. Like <laughs> Suddenly there became a point where this just doesn't taste as good as I thought it would. So I tried it without the ice and I thought, wow, this is so much better. <laughs> you know, even bonded things like that are hundred proof yes. and you know, the higher proof things, we're not even talking about 80 proof anymore. No. Um, it just didn't, you know, it, it sort of stole some of the richness in the, in the middle part of, of the taste and it's, it definitely stole that nice Kentucky hug on the back end where you, you just feel all nice and the, warm that, on the inside. Yeah.
0: That warming sensation that kind of comes and comes up from your belly. Yeah. That really kind of, yeah, that Kentucky hog I like the way you described that.
1: A lot of things will just sort of fall off the back of the palate. You're just, you're enjoying it. At like um, there's, a, I get, can I Did mention it? like particular? You bet. Like Old Forester 1920 is is famous right now for having a really nice bouquet, a nice nose, a nice palate, and all that's true. But it just disappears off the back of the palate. You're, you're enjoying it as it sort of moves through your mouth, and
0: then it just, boop, it's gone. It's one of those things that the way I look at it is it invites you to, it's your second drink much sooner than some of these other things mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's a very palate cleansing bourbon it pairs well with a lot of foods that are uh, oil, high in oil hmm. high, like cream like it sounds crazy but like fettuccine alfredo and that particular bourbon it's hmm. a palate cleansing thing that helps remove some of the oils and richness of the sauce and then you're not having this like not cloying but like this bourbon oaky kind of flavor muting some of the food it's 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 delicious but it is that type of uh, experience as opposed to some of these other things that you're <laughs> talking <laughs> and you got this this big grin on your face because you know so so you being an enthusiast what uh what are you drinking now like treating yourself had a rough day at work or you've had a great day at work because people drink in in times of sorrow and at di- times of excitement but uh like you're gonna go home now and you're gonna treat yourself to two fingers of bourbon you're going to not pour it over ice now Mm -hmm. so even in three years you've progressed very very quickly Uh, and you're going to pour yourself what
1: you know it's an interesting question I will say um, when I pour a drink at night it has nothing to do with the day or the emotional state or anything and it actually often has more to do with how much water I've had during the day Ah. Um, because that has a lot to do with, you know, the day after and your enjoyment, the palate and how, how awake it seems to be. Yes. If you haven't had a whole lot of water, then, then the, the experience of drinking is, is not as good. No, you
0: have to be hydrated.
1: So uh, I go from bottom to top. I have a a bottle of uh, heaven Hill, six year old bottle and bond that you have to go to Kentucky for. And in fact, it's, it's been discontinued now. And that's like a twelve dollar bottle, and it is brilliant. It is really nice, and um, I I like Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Sure, um, it's a real nice buttery mouth feel. Feels really good. Um, has a nice robust, and it, and it tickles everything. You know, from the moment you take it in the the fore all the way through, and you get a nice warming sensation. And it's not real hot. It doesn't it doesn't burn really mm-hmm. much at all.
0: No. It, it, so one of the curious things to me. Um, when I talk to people about spirits tasting, and there's competitions where people will taste the spirit and then spit it out. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Um, imbibing spirits and sensory fatigue, is, uh, specifically with things like bourbon, even cast-strength bourbon is even harder to judge because of the potency and, and your palate. Even an educated enthusiast like yourself... Uh, drinking four bourbons in a row is is a challenge. Absolutely. It is a challenge for your sensory and your palate to pick up the subtle nuances between uh, bourbon to bourbon. Now, that being said, you know spitting that out, to me, makes no sense. For me, if I'm going to judge it like a consumer, the consumer mm-hmm. is not going to spit it out. <laughs> That's right. And how that sit like wine, beer, cider, spirits, any of it, how that sits in my stomach is important for me to encourage myself to, to want that next drink, desire more of that flavor yes. in the glass. And so that warming sensation is certainly different than that burning sensation that could be in your stomach, yes. partly due to dehydration, which which you had mentioned before, which everyone needs to know that they need to drink more water. I mean, that's just all, like any doctor is going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're doing the gallon of water a day challenge, you're probably not drinking enough water. Um, but if that burning sensation is there, it's it's... It's very, it's associated with, uh, some more inexpensive things, but I've certainly tasted it in expensive things. And it's one of those things where I'm not encouraged to go back, uh, and and really, you know, drink that particular spirit, potentially straight. Mm -hmm. Uh, it might be something better that would be mixed with, uh, with something to balance out some of that heat.
1: Absolutely. And there's a big difference, like you're saying between the sort of shocking heat that comes with, I guess a, a lot of ethanol, and then the sort of warm heat which is a real nice sensation
0: the kentucky hug yeah <laughs> i love that i love that expression um and so it, it, there is a there's a challenge for people out there too that uh, have not experienced uh bourbon but we, like you said you you start out with uh with one technique and then learn others as you go through and you said four palate and there's other sensory things that uh, you know we we talk about uh taste we talk about normally the five tastes, sweet, sour, bitter, umami, and salty. Anything else that we taste is a smell, and that contributes to flavor. So caramel or oak or you had mentioned uh, marzipan mm-hmm. earlier, um, which, is, which is not a taste. And th- that's really su- kind of surprising to people. So, you know, when you're tasting whiskey, it's, it's a... Your mouth has a lot to do with it, but it's really your nose that has to come in contact. Absolutely. And so it's it's smelling it, it's tasting it and holding it in your mouth for a little while. And then when you swallow it, it's the reversal factory. Keep your mouth closed and breathe out your nose. Cuz then you're re-cementing all of those flavors that's in the whiskey back into your olfactory to get some of these flavors and smells that we were talking about earlier. The interesting thing too is is uh, even with uh, whiskey that is over ice or has a little bit of water in it to get it down to a little bit less proof, for anybody out there, your throat, your body temperature is warming it up. So you're actually gonna get different aromatic compounds when you reverse olfactory than you do when you have it just smelling it in the glass. And so aromatic compounds come out at different temperatures. So um, my perfect example for that is anybody who's ever had a stout, uh, drink a stout pour pour a pint of stout and just sip on it and as it warms up, you're gonna get different levels of roast and chocolate and things coming out of it. Same thing that can happens in a glass of whiskey. And so it's very interesting to see when people like really slow down yes. and start looking for flavor they're going to find it. They're gonna find sweet they're gonna they're gonna find salt. Now there's a bunch of new sensory stuff. I don't know if you've ever given blood or had blood drawn, which I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anybody that when they get a shot, tastes metallic in their mouth? Yes. So that's a thing, right? Yes. So we have receptors in our mouth to taste metal. And so there's new taste and new things coming out. We have uh, sensories that can taste fat. We have sensories, sensory uh, portions of our, our, our palate that can taste starch. I mean, there's, there's advantage to be tasting these things because of the amount of calories they have. And, and you know some people will gravitate towards one food or another, and they're finding out that they may have more sensory receptors for one thing over another. That is fascinating. It, you no, know, it's craziness, and it's uh, I know uh, well, one of my favorite stories is I've been overserved, believe it or not. It's happened. I was much younger at one time. <laughs> I'm old and haggard now, but uh, you know it's that time where you go home and you cook that frozen pizza and you can't wait for it to cool off and you burn you char mm-hmm. i mean you just destroy the inside of your mouth. Yes. I'm talking hangy balls of of <laughs> flesh hanging down from the <laughs> roof of your mouth and everything the next 3 days tastes horrible. I mean it's just it's very yes. bland. I mean so there is something to be said like when you drink a really astringent red wine your cheeks pucker. I mean you mm-hmm. have that sensory in the side of your mouth. So it's the side of your mouth underneath your tongue, the roof of your mouth they all contribute to the data that your brain is picking up and sending back as far as sensory analysis
1: and the smell like you said you know i've noticed um even something as simple as holding a glass for a while and the body temperature warming it up versus setting it down presents an entirely different
0: experience that's why they have those giant snifter glasses (laughs) you're supposed to like hold your hand is supposed to warm it you're supposed to kind of keep it moving yeah and so as that brandy or whiskey or scotch warms up you can you can get a different sensory experience it's a very interesting it, it's a very new it, it's not new people have been drinking and eating stuff for a long time and it's been selected for some of these flavors but there's new information and data showing like chalkiness we can t- we certainly can taste chalkiness and that's something that can be found in whiskey depending on the water that it's blended back or bottle proofed mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. so if it has a high calcium level and there's this like you know what i say chalky flavor and i was like oh yeah <laughs> like, like a Tums or a Rolaise or something like that. They, they understand that flavor and it can be found in all sorts of things. And so we have that receptor for that particular type of uh, uh, either mouthfeel or flavor. And the mouthfeel of, of bourbon and one in particular, you know, the way it coats. That's yes. so important because we have, you know, how it's going to coat, how it's going to sit in there for that next drink or, or how it's going to even evaporate as it's sitting in there and you're smelling new things and tasting new things every time. And I have to wonder,
1: you know, the processing that bourbon goes through or whiskey goes through. I wonder how much of that also affects the mouthfeel and the you know, the, the lipids if it's cold chill filters sure, for instance, sure. those get pulled out yeah. and those
0: lipids are what's gonna coat your mouth and, and, and the lipids are really coming from they're coming from the barrel. Uh, for the most parts lipids aren't going to come from the distillation process unless they're cutting in really too far to the tails cut because lipids have a higher boiling point. Uh, and so they really have to get the still hot to, to pull some of those fats and oils out. And it, it depends on the shape of the still and how they run it. But there's a lot of lipids in the barrel itself. So there's fats in the wood that are going to be coming out, adding some creaminess, adding some oiliness. And it's going to depend on the char and the toast of the barrel and how long it's sat in there. There's just uber amounts of nerdy chemistry, tears <laughs> in my eyes as I start getting excited about extraction and esterification reactions that happen inside of the bottle. So now that I keep staring at the bottles that you brought, <laughs> should we should we do a little sensory? Should we do a little, a little booze clues, if we will? Absolutely. All right. So you've bought, uh, why don't you explain what you uh, you brought in uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get to porn. So I'll, I'll say when, when you do a tasting like this you know, with multiple...
1: Bottles typically, you'll want to have a lower proof and then work up in proof, and you'll you'll typically want to have either things that are in the same sort of family, like um, you know bourbons versus weeded bourbons versus high rye bourbons, correct, or you're going to want to have things that are dramatically different, depending on what kind of tasting you're leading
0: yeah um, so from bourbon to bourbon, you could have a weeded bourbon then a rye bourbon and then a high rye bourbon and then a high corn bourbon I mean you could go down that line but compare like with like makes more sense to me I agree yeah
1: and one of one of the things that I really love about bourbon now is uh, a lot of store brands or a lot of stores are going and picking barrels and that seems to be where where the really unique stuff comes from now it's it's not necessarily the distributors or the um the distilleries that are picking the the interesting things and making that annual release like the birthday bourbon or whatever yeah sure i really like the store ones the store picks because when you find a store that seems to match your palate you know everything they pick is going to be fantastic
0: (laughs) so just to sort of so what people don't understand about store picks and it's not necessarily common uh in the state we're in That's right. North Carolina. But if you head up to Tennessee and Kentucky, um, they have a good relationship with the distiller. They know the people producing their whiskey, and they can go talk to them, and they go taste barrels. And when you say barrel pick, they pick that barrel. Absolutely. They pick the particular barrel that they're going to bottle up and sell to the consumer. And so when you have uh, like-minded individuals that have like-minded palates, like you said, you found your store. Yes, you have. Uh, you're you're a fan of their palate. You're a fan of what they're doing, and that the, the barrels that they pick are right in your wheelhouse. So absolutely, to speak. yeah, yeah. And anything,
1: even you know, they recently picked a Stranahan's, which is totally outside of bourbon. It's it's going to be real cereally yes. and, and malt. It's a malted whiskey, so much more grain to it. Yeah, totally different. But because their palate is something that I appreciate, and when they go and pick a barrel they're looking for the same things I like, you know, a real big, bold flavor kind of on the sweet side yep. of a full experience from beginning to end. I know that even something that's outside of bourbon, I'm really going to enjoy.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing, establish a relationship with the people working at these stores. Yes. You really, it's, it's like getting a good butcher, getting a good cut. I mean, it seriously, I mean that, that, uh, it sounds funny, but uh, you know, make that connection, make that, uh, Find that person in the store with uh, like-minded flavors, uh, you know, that you like and and they'll steer you in the right direction. I mean, that's what they're there to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you can, you can establish that connection and establish that relationship with that individual, um, you're going to have a better, uh, you know, this stuff isn't inexpensive by any means. No. It is an affordable luxury for some. Uh, and it's a, you know, a, a treat for others. So you you want to invest in things that you know you're going to like ahead of time, uh, what, yes. whatever it is. That's exactly right. It, you know, it you know, money doesn't grow on trees because if it, if it did, I'd, I'd have a lot of those trees planted. You know, when you're spending
1: $45 on a bottle or more, you want to know that you're not wasting your money because you're going to live with that bottle for
0: weeks, months, or years, depending on how <laughs> often you drink from it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you say years too because when I moved down here, Uh, Five years ago, I moved a ton of liquor bottles and any like I dread moving again Because now I've collected (laughs) even more and it's you know, new flavors coming out or new finishes or new. Yes uh, Like you said store picks, you know, you you (laughs) It's like I don't want that to slip through my fingers (laughs) and I have all these other bottles. I should be drinking but you know This one's the new one. I want that one
1: And you know, what's interesting about what you're saying too is um, I've noticed over the years as my palate has uh, Matured I guess is the right word I've noticed the things that I picked up that I thought were really good early in my experience. I now go back to and think, wow, I would not have bought that. No, if my palate were then what it is now.
0: Well, and it's the evolution of the drinker in, in at some point for the most part, uh, everyone can go back to some of those things that they used to like and appreciate for what it was. And Mm -hmm. and I know you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you're, you're looking for different things now. different flavors than you really were even three years ago yes which is that kind of the evolution of the drinker it really is that way you kind of go around full circle and you say oh this is a weeded bourbon i have some preconceived notions of what it should taste like but this is a very interesting expression of what that's supposed to be now maybe it's not you know something that you would go revisit but you can appreciate you know what went into it and what it what it is supposed to be absolutely yeah and so it's it's that's a funny thing to say because people do it with beer they do it with wine they do it with pretty much anything with booze in it and it's it's kind of an interesting thing to see what people uh what people come up with well we're going to take a break right now and we're going to pour these so we uh we don't necessarily take a bunch of dead air when we're trying to pass a bunch of (laughs) bottles around so hold on just a second
1: i i'm looking for the ones that um don't have the dust around the bunghole because you know that's where the people who work in the warehouse have been leaning
0: up against and getting some. And sampling themselves. (laughs) So we're back. (laughs) Uh, We just poured ourselves a couple of uh, Old Weller and one was the store pick and one was the uh, the 107 proof. Uh, It's a pot distilled bourbon. uh, Weeded. And so I have some preconceived notions about it, but in the glass, it looks beautiful. You're like deep copper and just tears. It's hard to see through the tears in my eyes <laughs> because I do enjoy uh, I do enjoy this stuff uh, probably more than I should. Nice um, thick legs. No, I mean, it's... Uh, and, and one of the things that people get misconception about the legs is like, what's it telling us about us? Well, it's giving a preconceived notion of like the mouthfeel. Yes. It's getting... This stuff is going to coat. Yes. And I'm excited I'm excited to see the difference between, you know, your, your people doing the store pick. And it, you know, we jokingly was like, we need to get together and do one of these store picks. And <laughs> I'm, I agree. Like, we should be able to find enough people that we each get a case and we can go taste a bunch of barrels. Oh, uh, absolutely. Or at least under the guise of that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll be back. The check's in the mail. <laughs> 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 Sir, you just had 14 barrels. I know. And we're trying to figure it. We're, there's a battle there's a, (laughs) it's going to be the 16th one. (laughs) Well, and I know that you can buy a whole barrel, um, from a lot of different places. Yes. And you can just have that barrel, uh, with your name on it. Absolutely. Although I think it's getting harder now. It is. Well, there's a little bit more regulation than some other things, but it would be just neat to be able to say that I own a barrel of whiskey. Oh yes. That I'm putting down and letting it age for 10 years and then I'll go back and get it all.
1: You know, it's interesting you point that out. As an enthusiast, one of the things I learned early is there's um, all of the distilleries, most of the distilleries have like a, a fan club. Yes. And so Maker's Mark, for instance, lets you put your name on a barrel and then they age it for six years, I think. And then yep. by the time it ages, they'll reach out to you and say, hey, you want to come get a couple of bottles out of
0: your barrel? Yeah. That's kind of fun. And you get, you get gifts every year. There's a couple of them where you have to go to the distillery and they don't even advertise it.
1: Oh, interesting. So
0: I will tell you those off air because I don't want nice. other people getting my picks. <laughs> I'm a terrible human being, but there's a couple where, I mean, the list is maybe only 70 people. Yeah. Nice. But like I say, I'll tell you that off air. I don't, wanna, no, I'm looking I don't to want I'm don't want people on the podcast going, oh, I want to get on that list and steal everything that no, <laughs> no people. Daddy's got to have some secrets. So let's go ahead and dive into this, uh, uh, this old weller and, and you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had this before. I've bought a bottle of this. I think it's brilliant. Um, I'm curious to see how it changes with the store pick. Yeah. So that individual barrel, because each, each little barrel in the warehouse has its own kind of little ecosystem, if mm-hmm. if you think of it that way. They're going to experience different temperatures from the top to the bottom of the rickhouse. They're going to have um, you know different airflow and currents. And, and the barrel itself is going to allow different amounts of oxygen ingress into it which can expedite some of these esterification reactions, uh, can slow down es- like extraction and do some of these other things that take time. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna nose this real quick and see what <sighs> it smells like winning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, I get all sorts of brilliant smells in this. It's really bright. It's. Um, I, I, I would don't almost know. say refreshing.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what else to call it except real bright. You know, high on the sort of upper register if you think about you know there's no chocolates there's no fudges there's no real deep rich stuff No, it's no all real no
0: deep caramels no uh no toffee no like none of that but it's a uh, it, you definitely get a, a really delicate oak smell yeah it's not overpowering it's not a giant oaky punch in the face which i get a little wary of i get just a hint of fruit yeah i mean if you can get
1: and kind of bright fruit we're not talking like stone fruits or or rich
0: berries it's it's all and and one of the tricks i wanted to show you too specifically when we're talking something that's 107 is uh even in these tasting glasses the ethanol is starting to evaporate and collect in the bowl here really really pretty quickly Mm -hmm. and so to get behind the ethanol to get some of the esters just blow in the glass real quick it removes some of that and you can get behind I always say kind of get behind the ethanol and then that's where I'm getting now just a hint of very light caramel mm-hmm. and just a little bit like I'm getting some of the fruity esters. There's definitely some esterification reactions that happened over time. So I'm going to take a sip because I can't wait any longer. And something I, I learned also early on is, um, you know, we're using
1: nosing glasses or Glencairn's mm-hmm. which are different than rocks glasses or, mm-hmm. you know, other kinds of glasses. Um, and specifically because it, it helps collect the right the right smells in the bouquet down in the bowl and it lets things evaporate off. Something I learned very early on is the higher the proof, the, the less you want to stick your nose right into that. No. I, I made that mistake early on and yes. I kind of burned my nose a little bit. Yeah.
0: You really, it, um, I do a 10 part tasting, a 10 part scent like the drive by where you just wave the glass past your nose. You can taste different things at different times. This particular whiskey. Well, first of all, it's delicious. Thank you for bringing it. Um, Second, in uh, you know, when you start talking about stuff in glassware, I thought it was, I thought people were full, full of crap, frankly, mm-hmm. about glassware. Yes. And I used to work at this wine bar, and I had a, a wine rep come in from a, a very large national company, and we poured a wine in four different glasses, and I was blown away. So now I do it in class with beer and with spirits, and, and, and I challenge everybody at home to take a bottle of whatever they enjoy. And get four different glasses out of your cupboard, four individual different glasses. And I guarantee if you let that stuff warm up and do what it's supposed to do, let it sit for five minutes. Yes. Really let it sit for five minutes and then, you know, get your nose down in it and smell it. And like I said, I thought they were full of it. Malarkey. I apologize mm-hmm. for the curt word, malarkey. <laughs> but it was incredible how different that the glass made, made uh, the individual spirit. So these glasses in particular, ones I enjoy, I, I use them at home specific. So when I, when I buy a new bottle, or I, I always use the same glass. I always use the same yes. experience. Uh, there's other times where I drink it in other ways, but this is where I get my baseline flavor yes. for all of this. And, I, and I, I encourage everyone to have their favorite glass. And have more than one of them because at some point it's going to break. <laughs> uh, but have your favorite glass and, and really repeat this stuff. And if it doesn't exist unless it's written down. So challenge yes. yourself to start writing this stuff down. And you'll see the progression in your own drinking, in your own sensory experience by as you learn the vocabulary. As I was saying before, you know, there's a lot of flavor going on in here. And it's Absolutely. delicious. But the way flavor works is... It's going to go on your tongue it's going to shoot up into your brain into a section where your brain reads what's on your tongue and then it goes back down then it has to go back up into another portion of your brain to find in that little rolodex the vocabulary word to describe what you're tasting Mm -hmm. you have to practice that
1: absolutely and it's it's
0: tied to memory too sensory memory is such a big deal so everyone's drank and ate and had experiences with different flavors. Some people have had bad experience with flavor or, or one particular flavor and, and they don't gravitate towards that. And so once you've had that experience, you start relating those vocabulary words to the pure chemical that's inside of here.
1: And those words come from everything. They come from all the food we eat. Like this, when I started drinking and yep. um, bourbon and then I started doing tasting notes, I started paying attention to the taste I was getting from everything I ate, everything I drank, because no, I, I wanted it. to associate No, that. it ruins it. You know, so there was a moment, um, for instance, Sazerac rye versus something like a Pikesville or a Rittenhouse rye is very different. You know, a high rye bourbon or a low rye, you know, sort of whiskey is gonna be different from a high rye whiskey. And there was a moment when I nailed the specific flavor I was getting out of Sazerac, and I called it rock candy, and, yeah. and that was exactly the. T- it, but it took it took several iterations before I sort of nailed that down.
0: No, and it takes it takes a bit to kind of peel back the veil. And, and one of the things we try to do in the curriculum program here is, you know, you have that sensory recognition, but what? How do we get to the chemical? So I use the class, and I've used it on a podcast before. I had that we spiked a beer with this uh, with this chemical called geranol, which is a a rose and so one of the students in the class is like oh this reminds me of my grandmother Hmm. I was like well uh, your grandmother smelled like roses it turns out she wore a rose based perfume interesting and so he associated that particular chemical smell with sitting on his grandmother's lap while she was reading to him and that's something that everyone has that sensory Hmm. recognition um, and can go back to and so it's an interesting like just process thing that people do in their own minds to try to get to these particular chemicals and so this this is not the store pick so i'm gonna i'm gonna move over to the store pick a little bit before i finish that one so i can go back and kind of revisit it store pick is a very similar color i mean it, it it's not but just nosing it it uh it is way different yes way different and i it's not because it's sat in the glass anymore i mean we poured about the same amount it's just one thing that it's so much
1: I notice for myself is it, it must be maybe a difference in the, the ethanol
0: or something, but it's, it's a- the ethanol is ethanol. I mean, that chemical isn't changed. But what is changing in here, and what I can tell you is there are more esterification reactions that happened in the sparrow. Mm. So, what I say with esterification is if you have a weak acid, something like a uh, poor example is butyric acid, it smells like baby vomit or rancid butter. That's horrible. Gross. Oh, no, horrible, horrible stuff. But if you let it astrophy with ethanol, and oxygen helps you know, expedite that reaction, and heat helps expedite that reaction, it'll turn into ethyl butyrate. Mm. So if you've not chewed a pack of juicy fruit gum lately, the flavoring agent in that gum is ethyl butyrate. So you have these tropical fruit flavors, some people associate it with pineapple, some people associate mm-hmm. it with passion fruit or guava. So you have some of these different smells, tastes, and flavors, and each, even with that chemical, people's palates are so different; they have a different way to describe that same same chemical. So when I smell this, I get more fruit forward. I get yes. less of the. I mean, they're at the same proof. Yes, which is in, in, incredible to say. But this smells less hot. Exactly right. It smells. The ethanol isn't as prevalent in the smell um, in this particular bourbon than than the than the one that they really so this store pick to me has way more subtleties going on just already in the smell mm-hmm. and i know and now i i know more about you just because of your <laughs> store picks now but it, it this is super pleasant in the nose i mean there's a lot more fruit going on i'm getting a little bit deeper caramel not much Right. Really, really not much. I'm guessing they char their barrel like three or four alligator char. You know, mm-hmm. n- nothing past a number four. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's de- a depth of earthiness. It comes in the backside. It's just brilliant. You get more yes. of the barrel flavor. Yes. Much more, but not not oak. There was way more oak smell in the in the non-store pick this is more of a a deep uh this is the the barrel is is a much different barrel than the blend in the other barrel i agree yeah wow this is delicious uh the legs are similar i mean there's definitely a a coating that happens inside of the glass it's it's wow this is beautiful what a what a bunch of and there's more It, it keeps going
1: that's one of the things i love about it it you still taste things even after you've swallowed. You know, yeah. there's the there's the Kentucky Chew, of course, where yeah. you sort of send it all over yeah. your mouth and then you swallow. But, you know, in the, in the non-store pick, everything is is right in line with what you expect from a weeded bourbon. It's yeah. right exactly in that profile.
0: And, and, and weeded bourbons, for those people that don't know, rye, rye bourbons tend to have what I like to call a peak, a, a, a note that's a little bit uh, spicier, a little bit more peppery, a little bit more, you know, if you're looking at like an echocardiogram, it's a, it's a beep and it goes really, really quick. Uh, weeded bourbons are more like a hill as mm. opposed to a, the mountain that arrived. It's, it's a softer, it's a softer flavor. So if you're looking to get somebody into bourbon, a weeded bourbon is a great way to start it Yes, uh, with exactly. That, a, with that ice cube and, and, you know, kind of introduce them and slowly start talking about flavors, start talking yes. about caramel and, 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 but this one has, I'm getting coconut now. still, I mean, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Still super pleasant. Uh, still on the backside of the palette. This is yeah. This more tannin. There's yes. certainly more of a drying sensation with this one. Certainly, it extracted more flavors of the barrel. So the the Old Weller Antique uh, Original 107 is going to be. It, it's a great blend. It's an amazing. You know, it's coming from lots of different barrels throughout the throughout the uh, the storing uh, aging pl- uh, Rick House. Now <laughs> I'm two drinks into it and I'm already <laughs> stumbling on this the perfect example of why I love to drink at work. Um, and one of the things I love about this particular label, you know,
1: the, the Weller line is really nice, of course, but the one of the things I like about 107 specifically is, from what I understand, it better matches the entry proof into the barrel. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that's where the 107 comes from, is it's, it's named
0: after the original entry proof that used to go in. And so- It goes in a little higher now. I think okay. it goes in at 114 if I remember from there's a, I, I have a, a sheet I'll share with you that shows you basically all the recipes and nice. it came out from a, a magazine. I won't mention because again, we're not <laughs> sponsored by, but anybody but Danny McConnell from McConnell farms taste the way you remember farm made ice creams <laughs> and ciders <laughs> contact Danny McConnell. Again, Danny's been a great proponent of our curriculum pro- program and also uh, an enthusiast of spirits himself. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll get that shout out. But, um, yeah, these these w- how they go into the barrel, the stronger they are, the faster they can do some of these extractions. So Weller itself actually bumps it down. The strongest mm-hmm. you can put a bourbon in a barrel is 125 or 62.5%. Right. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, they put it in at 114, but I can correct that here if uh, if I made a mistake. 125 or less. It's, and the nice thing about
1: the 107 coming out is that you don't have to add so much water to it when no. you bottle it. So you, you really capture a lot of those lipid flavors and... You don't water it down so much. No.
0: And the other thing about um, higher proof bourbon in the bottle, for the most part, they go through less filtration. So they're getting away some of the char of the barrel that kind of flakes off in the aging process. Um, if you were to take this down to a lower proof, what happens is a haze forms uh between mm-hmm. some of the things that are inside of the barrel and a lot of people will chill chill their their whiskey and filter it out and there's nothing wrong with that to remove some of that to to be able to bottle it at 40 percent or 80 proof but some of these things that are bottled at a higher proof will probably not go through as vigorous a filtration um just more getting that barrel chunk if you will out of the way from the hr mm-hmm. on the inside of the barrel
1: it's interesting, um, you know, paying attention to places like Reddit where people sort of have an opinion and they share it and they're pretty vehement about their opinions. sometimes. You know, there's some back and forths about things like non-chill filter and does it really change the taste? And, and you know, I think that's again, drink like you want to drink, put ice and water in it or don't at all. Yeah. And NCF seems to, non-chill filter seems to be the same sort of thing. You know, some people will
0: sense a difference and some people won't. In, yeah. The, you know, stuff, drinking stuff at this proof too is going to be, again, palate fatigue happens so quickly. You, you can only handle so much. So it's an interesting uh, exercise to see what, you know, you drink what you like drink responsibly, stay hydrated, drink in moderation, enjoy it. And that's, uh, you know, that's part of the education, listen, laugh and learn here. Mm-hmm. We we want everyone to enjoy uh, this stuff as we have today. And I can't thank you enough, Chris, uh, for being here. I'm very excited that you came on the podcast as a whiskey enthusiast. And uh, I hope to have you back again soon. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers.